Welcome, everybody. Today we conclude this series called What I Wish I'd Known Sooner. I asked Dave Cole to give the message today because it is a really good fit for him. He has lived this out. Many of you know Dave. Dave and his wife, Sharon, launched the marriage ministry many years ago that has helped many couples. Dave also served for many years on the elder team that oversees the church. And then about four years ago, at a time in his life when many people would probably think about retiring and taking it easy, Dave stepped into the challenging role of leading the launch of the Pewaukee campus that has made a huge impact for Jesus. I'm grateful for Dave's leadership and faithfulness. This summer, Dave handed off the campus pastor role, but continues to work on our staff in other areas until he officially retires the end of January. So would you join me? And let's give a big welcome and show our appreciation to Dave Cole. Wow, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here today. I'm honored to have this opportunity to talk with you. Whether you're here in the room in Waukesha or one of my special friends at the other end of the camera in Pewaukee, or you're watching us online, thank you for being with us. Hey, first of all, Pewaukee, just a special shout out to you. Sharon and I, we love you guys. We miss you, and we promise we're going to stop by soon to visit with you. Now, as Ben mentioned, I'm retiring from the Riverland staff at the end of January, just in time to celebrate my 68th birthday. Now, I think Ben asked me to speak today because I've compiled a fairly hefty list of what I wish I would have known sooner. Let me start with a recent example. Okay, let's just say it's uh, lunchtime at work, and you notice that the dishwasher in your break room is full of dirty dishes. So you've got a decision to make. Do you run it, or do you just ignore it? Well, let's say you decide to run it, so now you've got to decide what soap are you going to put into the dishwasher? Oh, yeah. Show of hands, how many of you would use one of these pods? Put your hands up. Okay. And show of hands, how many of you would use this fine-looking product? Oh, you laugh. Well, I, I wish I would have known sooner that you've got to use a pod. I have now added that. Yeah, that's what happened. I've added that to my list. And as of a week, a few weeks ago, I have been banned from running the dishwasher at River Glen. Now, it seems the older I've become the more things I keep adding to my list of things I wish I would have known sooner. Just to give you a few other examples, um, don't ever fall asleep with the Tums in your mouth. Yeah, you can imagine that. What I think is funny usually isn't funny. Ladders on ice lead to danger. And this is for the guys, red bath towels in a load, a laundry load of whites is never a good idea. Now, today we're wrapping up our series, What I Wish I Had Known Sooner. And we've covered topics such as what makes for a great leader and how to deal with toxic people. And then last week, Ben talked about what does true wealth really look like. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to reach the end of my life full of regrets, thinking, did I waste the talents that God gave me chasing after things that really didn't matter? Did I concentrate too much of my time and attention on myself and not other people? Now, it's been said, the greatest tragedy in life isn't dying, but living without purpose. 
So today we're going to focus on how to make the most of the life that God has given us as we discover his will for us. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul wanted for Timothy. Paul wanted Timothy to lead well. He wanted him to avoid all the pitfalls that he had encountered earlier in his life. And Paul knew. He knew that his life was coming to an end. So he spoke to Timothy with great urgency. You could almost hear him saying, Timothy, there's so many things I wish I'd known sooner. Listen to me. Well, Paul wrote 1 Timothy to his young protege as a a series of instructions to help him lead the floundering church in Ephesus. Timothy was Paul's loyal companion and mission partner, and Paul served as his mentor. In 1 Timothy, Paul gives a lot of advice on many issues that were really important to the spiritual development of the church in Ephesus. But one of the biggest problems in Ephesus was the influence of false teachers who were spreading bad theology, which was undermining the foundation that Paul had laid there years earlier. Christianity had spread rapidly, and it took, uh, it took on a great em- emphasis because of what Paul had done there. New leaders were appointed, and they had the task of leading the masses. So these leaders, they required training, and they required encouragement. And some of them, they strayed from teaching the truth. These false teachers needed to be rebuked. Timothy really had his work cut out for him because he is responsible to guide the church in Ephesus. And he would lose the confidence of these believers in Ephesus if he could not resolve this issue of false teachers. Timothy was young, he was inexperienced, and he was timid. He wasn't bold like his mentor Paul was. So Paul needed to encourage Timothy. And he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, Timothy had a lot of really good things going for him. He was, he was well-educated in Judaism as well as Hebrew scripture. He was incredibly persistent, serving under Paul faithfully and unselfishly. And Timothy was dependable. He was committed to preaching the gospel. So it was important that Paul continue to remind Timothy and say, do not neglect your gift. That's a great reminder for us today. Do not neglect your gift. So what about us? How do we make the most of the life that God has given us, avoiding pitfalls that might cause us to stumble? How do we discover God's will for our lives? Now, to understand where we are now, it's helpful to look back at how we got to this point. There are circumstances, and some of them are just outside of our control, that have laid the foundation for our current status. And if we admit it, we've all made decisions that have impacted our present situation. Our current stage of life is a result of a combination of all of these factors. Well, there are basically three life stages that we might fall into. Survival, success, or significance. These stages, they're dynamic, they're they're not static. Not everyone starts out here at survival and progresses through to significance. There's no predetermined amount of time that anyone would spend in the stage, and there isn't even a guarantee that you will reach each of these stages. That being said, no matter what stage you're in today, God desires to see all of us strive toward the final stage of significance. Leading a life of significance 
That's the end goal. Leading a life of significance, that's where we want to be. So let's examine these stages and see if we can discover what it is that we need to do. Now, globally, there are more than 3 billion people in their survival stage. They're in a, a life and death battle to attain their food, water, and shelter. They're struggling. Life in this stage, it's precarious. Many people never acquire the basic resources they need in the survival stage. And some will remain in that stage for the rest of their life. See, not all people are given the same access in life. Now, some have been fortunate enough to start life with basic needs met, which makes it easier to reach the success stage. Their income, either it meets or exceeds their bills, and their lives are relatively predictable. They have a certain degree of stability and security as a foundation to build upon as they strive toward success. The success stage is going to look different for each of us. For some of us, it's measured by wealth or power or possessions, like stuff, having the right car, having the right house. By these measures, some of us achieve success to various degrees and others don't. Culture really reinforces this message that success, that's the ultimate goal, that's the mountaintop. This is how culture views the stages of life. But God calls us to more. God calls us to apply the lessons we're learning to move beyond success and to strive toward a life of significance. God wants us to make the most of our lives through the discovery of his will. So when we decide to to honor and obey God by doing something significant, we turn the focus off of ourselves and we turn that onto other people. Success is when I, when I add value to myself. Significance is when I add value to others. Success, it's temporary. It has an impact here and now. Significance can have generational, even eternal impact. All the trappings of success are, are wealth, our power, our status, they all die with us. Paul made that pretty clear when he said, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Or as Billy Graham famously said, I never saw a U-Haul behind a hearse. So stop chasing success. Seek significance instead. What about Jesus' disciples? Which stage of life were they in before they encountered Jesus? Well, think about it. James, John, and Simon Peter, they all owned a thriving fishing business. Matthew was a wealthy tax collector for Rome. And Paul, Paul was a well-educated, highly influential religious leader. You can make a pretty strong case that most of the disciples were successful in accumulating money, power, and fish for themselves. They were really locked into this success stage until Jesus came calling. When Jesus came calling, it changed everything. These men, they became obedient to God. They sacrificed everything to follow God. They focused on others, and they did some extraordinary things. Well, are we willing to strive to live a life of significance? How do we make the most of the life that God has given us? And how do we discover his will for our lives? Now, our success, it can lead to significance, 
But this only happens if we make a deliberate decision to use our God-given talents and abilities to advance a cause that is loftier than meeting our own needs and desires. It's also true that it's difficult to accomplish something great without doing the hard work. Now, some researchers out there would lead us to believe that most of us struggle for survival in our early years. We, we kind of scratch and claw along, looking for stability and security, which they say we attain in our 20s. And they suggest that once we hit our 20s, we then begin to direct our attention towards success. Well, these researchers say that we remain on a success quest for several years until we reach midlife. And at this juncture, according to some researchers, we kind of call a timeout. We look back at our past and we glance uh, toward our retirement. And during this phase, many of us decide to continue on the success path because of fear. Fear that we don't have enough money, power, or possessions. We fear that we need to keep, to keep accumulating. But some of us decide to concentrate our time and resources on others. So in summary, what these researchers are claiming is that the first half of our life is really focused on success, and the second half is focused on significance. Does that kind of sound familiar? For many of us, it seems to be the path that we are on. But I'd like to challenge us to think differently today. Why should a life of significance be reserved solely for those of us who are living in the second half of our life? What about young people? Young people can make a positive impact as well. They can decide to focus on God's will as they use their abilities to make a difference in this world. There is no age restriction on extraordinary. Take, for example, Joshua Williams. Joshua was seven years old when he founded Joshua's Heart, a nonprofit that has distributed more than 2.2 million pounds of food to those in need. You're never too young to serve others. And you don't have to launch a, a huge nonprofit like Joshua's Heart to make an impact. Now, some of you know my daughter, Tori. Back when she was seven years old, she was watching an infomercial for Compassion International, and they were seeking sponsors for children in impoverished countries. Well, Tori decided to sponsor a girl who was her same age. And she came up with her own way to, to fund all this. So Tori made chocolate-covered pretzels and raisins, and she packaged them with a photo of her girl, and she went door-to-door -door all around our neighborhood. Well, by the time Tori was done canvassing the neighbors, she had raised enough money to pay for several months of her sponsorship. You're never too young to make an impact. And you're never too old either this is Betty Reed Suskin. She's currently employed as a national park ranger. Ranger Betty works at the Rosie the Riveter National Historic Park, where she enthralls visitors with her experiences as a young black woman working on the home front during World War II. Betty is still going strong. She's the oldest active national park ranger. She celebrated her 100th birthday earlier this fall. We are never too old to do something significant. Regardless of our age, we can shift our attention toward meeting the needs of others. So let me challenge you. Take steps toward living a life of significance. 
What can you do to just move beyond success? Well, your first step is to pause and pray. Just call a time out. Make a deliberate decision to slow yourself down. Push that pause button and make time for reflection. I encourage you to, to do that often. Pause often and ask yourself questions like, what's God nudging at me to do? Now, a few weeks ago, my son Brett told us that he wanted to go to Panama next spring as part of the River Glen mission team. He went on a mission trip with us a few years ago to Houston to help give support uh, for hurricane relief. I think ever since that experience, God's been nudging him to do it again. Well, I'm so proud of Brett for that decision. Maybe God's nudging you too. Maybe he's nudging you to, to go on a mission trip or to serve holiday meals for needy individuals or coordinate a toy or a, a food drive at your workplace. But go to God. Go to him daily in prayer. Ask him to reveal his will. What has he prepared you for? Use Paul's words to Timothy as sort of the, the core for your prayers. He said, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Pray, pray, and pray some more. Your second step is to prioritize and plan. Now, this step is hard for most of us because it goes against our nature to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the most important things. We must prioritize if we're to live a life of significance. Well, let me illustrate this point. In this box, there are things that are important to me. And if I open this up, I've gotten here my family. My family's important to me. And I've got my, my job here at River Glen Church. That's, that's important to me as well. You're all thinking, better have Jesus in the box too because Jesus is important to me as well. All of these things are important to me, but are they all of equal importance? Do they sometimes conflict with one another? There are times that my job means I have to work long hours, which means I have less time to spend with my family. But by definition, to prioritize means to decide what is most important. What is most important? So if I had to put just one thing in the box, what would that be? I can almost sense a little discomfort with that question. If you had to decide what comes first in your life, what goes in the box, what is most important to you, what do you put into that box? Now, conflicts are always going to arise, but I'll tell you, what you choose on a consistent basis is going to indicate what your priorities are. And if you don't identify that one thing that's in the box, that one thing's most important to you, you'll be conflicted and you're going to oscillate between competing values for the rest of your life. I would encourage you to put Jesus in the box. Because when you put Jesus in the box, all of your other priorities will take care of themselves according to God's will. You put Jesus in the box, you're going to find peace as you trust in him. You put Jesus in the box, you no longer have to rely on your own means to make it through each and every day. Pursuing God, putting Jesus in the box becomes your priority. A legendary Green Bay Packer coach, Vince Lombardi, famously said, 
there are three things that are important to the men in this room. They're God, their family, and the Green Bay Packers. In that order. In that order. So prioritize. And once you prioritize, listen to God as you start forming your plan. Because God's got a plan for you. It's a plan that taps into your abilities and resources to make a difference in this world. Be open to the the possibilities, the opportunities God places in front of you. Let his words speak to you, guide you, and encourage you. And do that through reading the Bible. I love the fact that a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jason talked about reading the Bible. He said, if you read your Bible, you're in it four times per week, you can have a tremendous impact in your life. So do that. And also as part of your plan, seek wise counsel from mentors. Timothy benefited from Paul's experience. Paul challenged and encouraged Timothy, and when Timothy faltered, Paul even rebuked him. So who's your mentor? Who's your Paul? Who's actively encouraging and challenging you in your relationship with Christ? We all need a Paul. We're never too old or too young to benefit from the wisdom of a good mentor. Hey, even Paul needed a Paul. He had Barnabas as one of his mentors. So who's your Paul? Even though we all benefit from a mentor that's just pouring into us, the reality is that we should be willing to mentor someone else. So who's your Timothy? Who can you mentor? Maybe it's a, a friend that has questions about Jesus, or perhaps it's a neighbor or a classmate that has similar hobbies or interests to you. Who can you walk alongside of? Who's your Timothy? So we all need a Paul, someone who pours into us. But we also all need a Timothy, someone that we can pour into. And through all of these steps on your journey, realize that you need to persevere. You need to persevere. Realize there's going to be trials along the way. As philosopher and heavyweight boxer Mike Tyson said, Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And yes, you will get punched in the mouth. The punch might come in the the form of detractors, people who will put you down. Don't listen to those that tell you, you've wasted your life, or there's no way that God would use you to do something amazing. God has always used the overlooked, the underdog, and the outcasts to do some amazing things. Think about it. Paul and Timothy, they were pretty unlikely candidates to be chosen by God to lead his church. If God can use broken people like them to build his earthly kingdom, he can certainly use you and me. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Well, the punch might also come in the form of distractions and time wasters. Our purpose, our plan, it's way too great to waste time on things that don't really matter. And as true as that statement is, we can all fall prey to distractions and to time wasters, doing things that don't matter and keep us from achieving great things. Time wasters, they might be hard to avoid if they're outside of our control, like waiting in lines or sitting at traffic lights but we can decide how we spend a lot of our time each day. Now, I'm not suggesting that we need to account for every single minute of every single day because we all need to have our downtime. What I am suggesting is that we take an honest look at how much time we spend 
and set aside for activities like scrolling through social media or binge watching our favorite Netflix series. That's been said that if Satan can't destroy us, he'll distract us. Satan will keep us so busy doing things that don't really matter that we won't have the time or the energy to do things that do matter. Now, I'm guilty here. And I didn't realize how guilty I was until I figured out how many episodes of The Blacklist I binged this year. Some of you chuckle. I've watched over 170 episodes. That's 130 hours. That's over five days watching TV. And to make this point even worse, to make it more obvious, while I was writing this message, I wasted another half hour Googling season nine previews for the blacklist. (laughs) What could I have done with, with some of those wasted hours? Well, Paul warned Timothy about this. He said, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. And then in the book of Ephesians, he continued by saying, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Persevere. Persevere by guarding against detractors and distractors. I wish I could honestly tell you that I figured all of this out early in my life. But the truth is, I spent most of my life focused on meeting my needs and fulfilling my desires. I viewed personal success. That was my ultimate goal. I was motivated by promotions, pay, and positions. No matter what job title I held, I was never satisfied. I was always coveting that next higher rung on the ladder. I was successful in the eyes of many, but I was unhappy and unfulfilled, and I was selfish. Now, I tried convincing my family that I was doing all of this for them. I was traveling nationwide. I was working some insane hours, and I spent so much time away from my family. I added up all the nights that I spent alone in hotels, nights apart from Sharon and my kids. I was away from home for over 1,000 nights. That's almost three years of missed family meals, bedtime stories, and school activities. 1,000 nights. After 16 years as as a road warrior, I was exhausted. Family had been neglected for too long, and I had passed up countless opportunities to serve others, to be unselfish with my time, and I knew something needed to change. Well, the turning point came in March of 2017. Pastor Ben asked if I would be interested in helping launch the new campus in Pewaukee. Well, Sharon and I spent several weeks praying, dreaming, and then eventually planning, and we decided that I would step away from my corporate job so that I could join the River Glen staff. And I have never regretted making that decision. Now, in retrospect, I think God was preparing me all along to make changes so that I could step into a new undertaking. He brought people into my life to encourage me to embrace the challenges ahead. 
I have to tell you, this has been a wonderful opportunity for me to put it all together to focus on serving others. But I'm not telling you this to say, hey, look at me and what I've done. I am no poster child for making wise, God-honoring choices. You could almost say that I have basically stumbled my way forward. I'm sharing this experience to encourage you. Encourage you to apply the steps mentioned earlier as you make deliberate choices to move from success towards significance. And this is going to look different for each of us because God's will for you is unique. It's unique. You might be called, like some friends of mine are, to be a friend to people who are coping with an illness or injury that they have endured. Or maybe you're called to share your passion for website development with high school students and then working with them as they create websites for nonprofits free of charge. Or maybe you're going to be called to provide love and care for women during cancer treatments. These are just a few of the amazing things that some of you here at River Glen are doing. And as you heard earlier in today's service, there are lots of opportunities for us to step up at the Christmas season to help out, to serve others, to get involved with all the activities going on here at River Glen. Go to our website and you'll see those listed or just stop at the Welcome Center and talk to somebody about that. The possibilities ahead for all of us, they're endless and the impact can be life-changing. Now, it's really easy to talk ourselves out of doing something for others. We can make excuses like, that's such a small thing. How could that really matter? I need to do something really, really huge. But don't overlook the impact of simple, small acts of kindness. Now, many of us have a relationship with Christ today because someone cared enough to talk with us about him. Honestly, that's why I'm here at River Glen today. Over 30 years ago, Jeff and Rose talked with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, Marcia and Jeff, who eventually shared with Sharon, who talked with me. That first conversation around a dining room table two decades ago caused a ripple effect in my family as well as this church that continues spreading and shows no signs of losing momentum. A seemingly small gesture of kindness, a word about God, a, a smile, a hug, a prayer, just lifting a hand to help somebody out can make a huge difference in the lives of others. Never underestimate the power of God working through you to make a difference. Now, this past summer, I shared with some friends that I was retiring, and after congratulating me, one of my friends asked a couple of questions that I just didn't see coming. She said, what are you going to do? You're not just going to sit around. So I was thinking, yeah, I was. <laughs> well, I wasn't prepared for the question, and I didn't have an answer. And I don't know what retirement holds for me. I mean, I really don't know. Uh, I guess in a way I, I wrote this message for myself. Now, in the weeks leading up to my retirement, I'll be following the steps that we talked about today. I'll be seeking to see how God will challenge me to use my time, resources, and abilities to, to do something significant in my retirement. So how will God challenge you? Now, I'm not very good at saying goodbye. So instead, I'm just going to say thank you. 
I want to thank you for the kindness that you have shown to my family and myself over all these years. And I want to thank you for your faithful service to the mission of River Glen of making more and better followers of Jesus. And I want to thank you for taking bold steps toward leading lives of significance. Your actions continue to bring God glory and honor. And remember, at the end of our life, it, it really doesn't matter what we, we bought, but what we built. Not what we got, but what we shared. Not our competence, but our character. And not our success, but our significance. Don't waste your life. Live a life that matters. That is what I wish I had known sooner. Would you pray with me? Lord God, open our hearts to embrace your divine will for our lives. Nudge us to step into the unknown as we strive to live for others, to do something amazing in your name. Father, point us in the right direction so we can achieve mighty things. Keep us humble and focused as we each journey on our path toward lives of significance. Lord, we pray that you walk alongside us, giving us the stamina to persevere, to avoid the, the time wasters and distractions before us. Lord, soften the hearts of those who stand in our way, keeping us from our ultimate goals. Thank you for the opportunities that you lay before us each and every day. We thank you that you've gifted each of us in unique ways. And Lord, we pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.